0: I heard a prediction, a writer said. I heard a prediction at the beginning of this coronavirus. A lot of people are about to learn that if they just had more free time, they would not, in fact, write a novel, learn a language, or get in shape. It's true of me as well. Uh, At the beginning of this coronavirus, I thought this was a two-week vacation. And then as the weeks progressed, I started making a to-do list, a, a, a goal list. And sadly, a lot of things are still on that list because the issue isn't time. The issue isn't, we just need a little bit more time to get things done. The issue is an issue of motivation, of heart, of focus, of what do we desire? Because the people in this passage, it wasn't an issue of time either. They had 18 years since the first brick had been laid for the temple of God. 18 years and the process is still not finished. They still haven't completed the task. And this is the same with us. Is, is there is a lot of times in our life where we say, if only I could have more time, then I'd get this done. Or, or we give excuse after excuse of, if only I had this, if only I could get this done, then I would be happy. And yet, it's not an issue of time, it's not an issue of excuses, it's not an issue of resources, it's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of motivation. It's an issue of what do you really desire in this world? And for these people, it wasn't God. It was something else. And for us, a lot of times, it isn't God. It's something else. And consider the ways in which God kind of presents questions to them or challenges them. Let, let those questions, let those challenges be challenges to us as well. Consider this. Let, let's say someone came up to you and asked you, give careful thought to your ways. Are you seeking money, food, status, the things of this world, and not finding fulfillment? What would you say? Or, or if God came and had a conversation with you and said, consider your ways. Have you been busy with your own life and ignored other people? and it ignored me and my purpose for it. How would you respond? See, we like the people in this passage tend to focus on things that will just leave us dissatisfied and not actually fulfill us. We focus on the things of this world and, and not on God, the one who has come to provide care. And so this morning, let us be challenged. Let us give careful thought to our ways. What is it that we focus on instead of God? What do we long to fulfill us instead of the Lord Almighty? And if we do this, if we give careful thought to our ways, if we challenge ourselves, if we let the Word of God have an impact on us, to radically disrupt us, then we're going to have an opportunity to see what actually fulfills us and what we need and how we are able to fulfill the kingdom of God and build up the temple of God here on earth. So, first, what do we tend to seek? Look back at the passage verses five and six. It says this Now this is what the Lord Almighty says give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. What is what is happening in this passage? What is that saying? it it is not a description of literally what's going on. It is not as if the people are literally taking money and putting it in their purse, and and all their purses have holes in it. It is not that they are longing for water, and yet they can't find it and end up thirsty. It is actually very much the opposite. It is that they are living in such abundance. They have so much going on that, that they just long for the next thing. They long to look for the next thing that will fulfill them, that will make them feel secure, make them feel happy. It is as if they have a purse and they say, if only I could just get a little bit more money in it, I will be happy. And yet they get to that goal, they get that wage, they get, they get that money and they put it into their purse and yet it feels lighter. It feels as if there's holes in it because they say, I'm not satisfied. I actually need more. And then they make the next goal, whether it's money or whether it's food or whether it's their house and they say, if only I could get this, then I would be happy. And why is that so bad? Why is it so bad for them to long for these things or or build up their own kingdom or build up their own house? It's because 18 years earlier, they were living as exiles. They had actually been removed from their lands by the Babylonians and, and put in exile in which they were captives. At times, they were put to death. At times, they didn't even have literal homes. At times, they had nothing to their name. And yet 18 years ago, from this passage, God had rescued them. God had brought them out of Babylon and brought them back to their land and placed them in their land and not just brought them back and rescued them, but he actually gave them an abundance of wealth. If you look at the book of Ezra, you can see how God blessed the people where he said, here, here is resources so that you may live. And not only resources for them, but resources to build his temple where he said, I don't expect you to actually just use the resources you've just been given, but instead, take these resources, build up my temple so that I may live among the people, that they may have a relationship with me. And yet they didn't do that. Eighteen years has gone by, and, and they've only focused on themselves. They forgot the one who rescued, the one who provided for them, the one who cared for them, the one who who brought them out of exile, the one who will secure them, the one who will give them hope. And they replaced it with a lie. They said, if only I find this thing, if only I get money, or if only my home's a little better, I will be happy. I will be content. I will finally find what I've been looking for. And this is the classic consumeristic mentality that we as Americans have as well. Uh, just recently, I saw trending on Twitter the line, you stole my home. And trending on Twitter means the top you know, 10 things that are being talked about at the time. So I was very interested. I said, how do you steal a home? So I clicked the link and, and come to find out that millions of Americans spend their days looking at homes that they could never afford. They have this app, Zillow, which is a realtor app on their phone, and and they spend hours just scrolling through looking at homes and saying, oh, if only I could have that home, if only I had enough money to buy that house. And Zillow being the good realtor app that it is actually allows you to favorite a house so that when it gets sold, (laughs) because eventually it will, they'll send you an email and let you know the house that you wanted, someone else bought it. And that's when people say, you stole my home my dream home that I could never afford, you stole it from me. And I recognize that this is a silly illustration, that this is funny, we all do it. We all daydream, we all think about things that we want. Even in the church, when you go into a community group and we ask an icebreaker question, such as, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Or if you had millions of dollars, what would be your dream car? And, and it's, it seems silly. What's wrong with that? Pastor Mike, what's the the harm in asking those questions or daydreaming? But what is this passage warning us about? It is saying that what we focus on, what we spend our time on, that is the thing that we love the most. And for the people in this passage, it was their work, it was their home, it was their wealth, it was themselves, and it was not God. And you see, even though the people were focused on other things, I bet you if you went up to one of them and said, hey, do you love God? They would say, of course, we are the people of God. We are living in God's land. Of course I love God. But as this passage shows, the minute that they chose their homes and their wealth before God, they loved themselves more than they loved him. And to give you a modern-day example, it's, it's, it's the man who cheats on his wife, and he gets caught, and he says to his wife, that woman meant nothing to me. I always loved you more. And he may still love his wife, but in the moment that he decided to cheat, he loved himself more than he loved his wife. And this is the same with us. We can claim to love God, but the moments that we seek fulfillment in the things of this world We love ourselves more than him. I love Amazon more than God. I love Netflix more than God. I love food more than God. I love my time more than God. I love my wealth more than God. So let us give careful thought to our ways. What is it that you are seeking to fulfill you that never will? What is it that you are longing for what is it that you want and desire and spend your time on more than the kingdom of God? I mean, just to give you an example, go back to your Amazon cart. Look over the past year. What have you bought? Even go back to last December for Christmas when you, when you bought yourself a gift. And you're scrolling through your Amazon and you see those pots and pans that you wanted. And it felt really good in the moment to click checkout. And it felt really good in the moment two days later when they showed up at your doorstep and you unboxed them. And it felt really good in the moment when you first used them to make a meal. But now six months later, they're sitting in a cabinet. They don't fulfill you anymore. And now you can look through the past six months of what you bought on Amazon and look at all the things that you tried to fulfill your life with that never actually produced fulfillment. And maybe for you, it's not shopping. Maybe for you, it's food where you say, you know, I've tried all these different foods or I, I try to eat until I'm full. And yet, as the passage says, you're still hungry. Or, or it's, you've traveled the world, you've gone on all these great vacations and yet you're just longing for that next vacation. You say, if only I could go here next, I will be happy. Or you've gotten the job, the title, the, the money, and yet you go, it's not enough. I didn't get the bonus that I was expecting. I actually didn't get the senior position I wanted. I didn't get the recognition that I deserved. And I recognize that many of us have a hard time hearing this. I have a hard time hearing this because at times I don't want to believe it. There might be some of us who don't want to believe that there's a God who says, you have to look for me, you have to long for me because I'm going to be the only thing that fulfills your heart. Or there might be some of us that says, what is wrong with seeking wealth and seeking God at the same time? Can't I do both? Can't I, can't I look for happiness in this world and seek God? And there's some of us who say, I, I have not placed anything before God. Yes, I have a home, but, but no, no I, I couldn't have put anything before God. I love God the most. And this is the same with these people, though. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong by building their homes before the temple. And even in the previous week's sermon, we saw that they gave excuses for why they should build their homes before the temple of God. But in the end, they were just focused on themselves. They weren't focused on a relationship with the one who can actually fulfill them. So what does God do to change their path? What does he do for us to change our path? He actually provides a radical disruption to our ordinary life. Because that's what we need, is we need something to derail us from the path that we're on. We need something to stop us going in this direction of looking for fulfillment in this world. And God provides it. God says, you're not going to find fulfillment in these things, and I am even going to take these things away from you so that you seek me instead. Look what he does to the people in this passage by looking at verses 9 through 11. He says, You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle on the labor of your hands. God is clearly stating in this passage, I am the one that caused the drought. I am the one who ceased the crops from being produced. And yet that is hard for us to hear, is it not? Wait, the God that you're telling me loves me and and is good and, and cares for me. He is the one who caused a drought? a drought which, which diminishes the economy, which which causes people to go into starvation mode of, of hey, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, a, a, a drought which makes the, the land dry. You're telling me that this God who caused the drought is the same God who loves me? And the answer is yes. Yes, God is coming in and radically disrupting their lives so that they'll stop seeking the things that won't fulfill them and seek him instead. And, and one of the best ways that God probably sees us is the way that we watch toddlers. If you've ever been around toddlers, you know that, there's, that you have to keep a constant eye on them. That you have to watch out for the things that will harm them, like electrical outlets or, or things that they'll put in their mouth. And yet, even the things that are good for them can cause harm. Because you can give the, the little child one of those building block sets that has the little toy hammer in which they, you know, they get really excited when they see it and they're hitting the the blocks into the cubes and and you're laughing and they're laughing and then for some reason they look at the hammer and they boink themselves in the head with it. And they look back at the hammer and they look at you and they get sort of the teary eyes and you go, oh, oh, it's okay. Just, Just don't do that. And they go back to like hitting the blocks and then at some point they take the hammer again, hit themselves in the head again and they start getting teary eyed and you go, no, 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 don't do that. And at some point, you have to radically disrupt their life. You have to come in and take the hammer away from them because they're harming themselves. And they look at you and say, this person who who gave me this, who gave me this good thing is now taking it away from me. And they get upset and they cry. And yet you're doing the right thing. You are taking away the very thing that is harming them, even though it was meant for good. A toy hammer is designed for fun, but can quickly turn into harm. A good harvest is designed for good, to bless the community, to bless that household, and yet it can quickly turn to harm, where we know, even in this nation's history, that it has been used as a way of status, as a way to build wealth for themselves and not for the community, as a way in which the harvest is used to, to hold other people down, to cause oppression, and yet... Or, or even in just in this passage alone, to build themselves up, to puff themselves up and say, look what I've done with my hands. And yet God says, it is not about you. It's about what I have done for you. And God needs to come in and radically disrupt their lives. And he comes in and radically disrupts our lives as well. Because if there is never radical disruption, we will never question or ask the hard questions of life. Go back to before coronavirus and, and think about your everyday life. It's going well, you have a job, you're going to work, you're building your, your wealth, your your home's fine, your kids are doing well, they're going to school. Was there ever a time in which you actually set aside time to question the hard things? Imagine you sit down for dinner with your family. Did you stop your family and go, you know what? I think tonight is a good night to talk about death. I think tonight is a good night to talk about suffering. I think tonight is a good night to talk about eternity or even before the coronavirus, I bet you that none of us ever asked the question, what if this was all taken away from me? What if I couldn't go to work? What if I couldn't go and do whatever I wanted? What if I was stuck at my house and I wasn't allowed to see anyone? Where would I find my fulfillment? Where would I find my joy? Where would I find my satisfaction? Because ordinary life doesn't make us ask the hard questions. No, what we need is we need God to come in and radically disrupt our lives so that we can come to the point of saying, What are we actually looking to fulfill us? What are we longing for to comfort us? Is it this thing? Is it this thing that has been radically disrupted? Or is it God? And this is a perfect passage for this time, is it not? Because there has been a radical disruption in our life. God is saying through through this passage is that I have caused things to disrupt your path, to change your ways, and, and to make you see that you can't find fulfillment in the things of this world, but you need to find fulfillment in me. And the question for us this morning is: how are you going to respond to that radical disruption? Are you going to just attempt to ignore it? To say, I can't wait till this is over and I get back to regular life? I can't wait to go on that vacation I was planning. I can't wait to get back to work and and get back to producing and being successful and getting the recognition for it. I can't wait to go and, and do whatever I want whenever I want and just say, I'm longing to fulfill myself with the things that I've always fulfilled myself with. Or is this an opportunity for you to turn aside, to take time, to question your life and say, what have I been longing to fulfill myself with instead of God? and take time to ask yourself the hard question of where ultimately am I gonna find my joy, my peace, my security, and my hope? Because we need God, and we need God to come and radically change and disrupt our life and change our path, and he has done the most radical disruption of all, and that is through the gospel. Through the gospel, through him sending Jesus Christ into the world, what he did is he radically disrupted the worldview in which it says, Your worth is based on your success and based on your performance. Even in today's world, there's the cancellation culture of if you mess up, you are worth nothing. And yet Jesus radically disrupts that thinking and says the opposite. You have messed up, and yet you are worth everything to me. Worth so much that I'm willing to do the courtroom drama that none of us expect in which a man is about to be sentenced to death for his crimes, and yet Jesus stands in our place and says, I will take that man's penalty. I will take that man's punishment. And now this man can live, not based on his performance, but based on the fact that he knows that God loves him. And that is true for all of us. That is the radical disruption that has taken place is that our worldview has completely changed to one in which I need to perform and I need to do well and I need to be perfect to the one in which God says, you aren't perfect, but I will love you anyway. And I love you because I created you and I died for you. And that's crazy. That's crazy talk. That's radical disruption. To say, wait, my life isn't about pursuing things. It isn't about performance, but it's about following God. It's about having a heart that is focused on him, that we find fulfillment in, in nothing else except God alone. And it's true. And so now, if you recognize that, if you see that God has radically disrupted your life with the gospel, then we need to take the time. We need to take, make it a point in our lives to allow God to continue to radically disrupt the course that we're on. And the way that we can do this is let me just encourage you to take five minutes in your day and think about why you're doing something. So for example, you're on your phone and you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or or news articles or you're on your computer doing that or you're watching Netflix. Let me challenge you. Take five minutes and say, God, disrupt my life. Why am I doing this? Challenge your heart. Say, what am I longing to fulfill? Why am I I scrolling? Why am I watching this? What, What am I looking for to make me happy that I'm looking for in this show or in this website that maybe I should be looking to God for instead? Take five minutes to radically disrupt the path that you're on of mindlessly scrolling or mindlessly watching, and instead ask yourself the hard question What am I doing? And how am I not actually looking for God instead? Take time to have God radically disrupt your thinking, your heart, and your life. Because we are tempted and have the tendency to seek ourselves more than we seek God. And we need God to come in and radically disrupt our lives. So now that he's radically disrupted our lives and now we recognize that we have seeked things instead of him, how do we respond to that? What do we do? Well, what does God call the people to do? Look at verse 8. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. God is calling them to the very thing that he called them to do 18 years ago. Build my temple. And it wasn't just about building a temple. It was actually the place in which they were to be in a relationship with God. They were to build the temple so that when they went to the temple, they worshipped God. They praised God. They repented to God. They heard of God's promises for them. They were to hear of how they were to be a light of the world for God, for other people, and how they were to build each other up in that community, to love one another, to care for one another. They were to do it together. And while for, for us, there's no longer the visible symbol of the temple, there is the visible symbol of Christ. And what Christ calls us to do is to build up his kingdom. And the way that we build up his kingdom is through building up one another, to share his love, to build his kingdom here on the earth where we spread the good news, where we spread love to one another. And commentator James Boyce says this about this passage The word of God by Haggai comes to such people, to you, if you are one. God says, What is the condition of my house? What is the condition of my work in your home, your church, your neighborhood, your city, your land? He says, what are you doing to fulfill the purpose for which you have been set apart by Jesus Christ? What are we doing to fulfill the purpose for which we have been set apart by Jesus Christ? So how do we respond? We fulfill that purpose. We build God's kingdom here on the earth. We build each other up under the love of God. And, and before this pandemic, we recognized how easy it was to, to say my life, to build ourselves up to say, this is my home. This is my wealth. This is my time. This is, this is who I am and, and this is my bubble. And yet the purpose of God is to build, not our, our own kingdom, Not our own temple, not ourselves, but to build up His kingdom and to build each other up in the process. Jesus says that that through through the reality, through the nature of the church, through His people, through His community, that that when that when people see that we love each other and love them, they will know that He has come. And what we need to do is we need to humble ourselves and say, I, I recognize that I thought to be fully me, to be satisfied, I needed to build up my kingdom. I need to build up my wealth. And yet, and yet, now I recognize that to actually live a life of abundance, to live a life of joy, is, is to not actually build up myself, but to build up the kingdom of God and build up other people. And, and, and that's what we have to do. And that's my challenge for you today, is, is to call someone today. Not this week, because I know if I say this week, we won't actually do it. I won't do it. So I need to do it today, all right? Call someone today, someone that you probably normally would have seen in person. Maybe it was at church, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's at the coffee shop. And say to that person, hey, I didn't know it at the time, but I need you in my life. I'm really, really glad that you're in my life. I'm glad that God brought us together, and I love you. And more importantly, God loves you. And if you need to use the excuse, you can. My pastor told me I have to call you. But think about it for for five seconds. Our temptation is to build up our own kingdom, our own temple, our own wealth. How much life-giving, how much life-sustaining, how are you fulfilling the purpose of God when you put a vacation next to you calling someone and telling them that they're loved. When you put your bonus, when you put your wealth next to you telling someone that not, it doesn't matter what you do, God still loves you, which one is actually building the kingdom of God? Which one is actually fulfilling the purpose for which you've been set apart by Christ? Christ? One is life giving and life sustaining, and one is ultimately going to leave us empty. I understand that this is a hard time. Change does not come easy. My goal list is still long. But in this passage, this is a reminder that my purpose is not to build myself up, to not build up my own kingdom, my own wealth. But it is instead to focus on the kingdom of God, to build up his people, his world, his kingdom. And I recognize that I have the tendency, that we have the tendency to focus on ourselves. But we need God. And we need to take the time to to have God radically disrupt our lives. And thankfully, God provides a radical disruption not just in the coronavirus, not just in the gospel, but here today that you watching, that you participating, God has radically disrupted your life by taking you out of the ordinary and challenging you to answer the hard questions of this world. What are you longing for and what will actually fulfill you? And if we are able to answer and say, I know it's God's kingdom, then we get to have the answer. We get to know the purpose. We get to focus on the true goal of our lives, which is not to build up our own kingdoms or build up our own wealth, but instead, build up God's kingdom and his people. Let us go joyfully and share the good news that you are loved not based on your performance, but based on God's work and his love for you in this world.